Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 13 days and counting. A double killer on the loose. That's right, Danilo Cavacante is on the run with an added twist. Now, he's got a gun. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friends at ABC. State police say escaped murderer Danilo Calvacante is now armed. They're pursuing him in a rural area of northern Chester County. Action News has learned a homeowner in East Nantmeal Township shot at someone matching Calvacante's description, prompting a flurry of police response late last night and into the morning hours. A new sighting of convicted killer Daniello Cavalcante, police say, now has a weapon. Overnight, state police chasing the escaped convict in South Coventry Township, Pennsylvania, where police have told residents to remain inside and lock doors and windows, saying, quote, Cavalcante is armed with a weapon. Scanner audio appearing to describe a sighting. Hispanic male, roughly 30 years of age, 5 foot, currently shirtless and blue pants. Subjects known to have a 22 cutoff rifle with a scope and a flashlight. And they're telling residents to keep their doors and their windows locked as the search continues. Law enforcement has now flooded the area in South Coventry Township looking for 34-year-old Danilo Cavalcante. You could see the armored vehicle coming up the street last night shortly after before 2. Our friends at ABC and NBC and now from CBS, listen. A shelter-in-place order went out to communities in Chester County in the last hour. Police are swarming an area after a possible sighting a short time ago of escaped prisoner Danello Cavalcante. Right now, residents are calling 911 saying they're hearing gunshots near French Creek Elementary School on Coventryville Road. The manhunt for Cavalcante is now in its 12th day and major developments appear to be unfolding at this very hour. Now, day 13 with me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. Why can't we catch this double killer? Keep in mind, this guy has already shot someone dead in Brazil, his native homeland. He lives in the jungle for weeks before he makes his way, believe it or not, to Puerto Rico. But Puerto Rico was not the prize. The prize was the United States, America. And he gets here as an illegal immigrant. He gets in, finds a community that speaks Portuguese and shacks up with a woman, a girlfriend, until he murders her, stabbing an alleged 38 times, killing her in front of her two children. So we know this guy adopts different MOs, modus operandi, method of operation, depending on the circumstances. We know he can shoot to kill, and now he's got a gun. All-star panel joining me, but first to Eddie Kadem with Fox 29 in Philly. Eddie, thank you for being with us. How did this guy get a gun? Hold on. I may know a little bit about that. Take a listen to our cut A. Teams are currently being rotated out and replaced with fresh teams. Aviation assets came. I don't believe so, sir. I think uh, at that point he was being pushed by the teams that were pursuing him from the original sighting. I think it was, a, a, in my opinion, I believe it was a crime of opportunity. I think he went in there probably trying to hide. The garage door was open. He didn't, uh, I, I believe, 
uh, recognized that the owner was in there. So he got in through a garage door. Eddie Caden with me again, investigative reporter, Fox 29. Eddie, what's happening? The garage door that Cavalcante allegedly entered, well, you know what? We know he entered it, and he got a gun. And did I get a sawed-off 22? That's right, Nancy. Uh, sawed-off 22, it appears this man in his 80s was in his garage. Cavalcante walked up to him, uh, didn't know that the man in the garage, the homeowner, had a pistol, uh, at least either on him or close enough where he could grab it. And that's when you hear those shots. We just heard it, those shots getting fired, shots getting fired. The homeowner started firing at Cavalcante. We do know that he didn't hit him, um, but he did. I, I guess police were able to find his sweatshirt and his shoes at the end of the driveway when they got there. Hold on. Eddie Kadem, the rest of us are mere mortals. You got to back it up just a moment. Wait yeah. a minute. I just had that, 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 you remember uh, when you hear a big truck backing up, you hear the beep, 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 beep. I'm beeping right now. I'm drinking out of the fire hydrant with you. You too much at once. Just start again. <laughs> okay. So he walks into a guy and on a guy with the garage door open, the guy in yeah. his 80s, he doesn't harm the guy. What happens? The the homeowner, I guess, realizes who he is. Uh, he he goes to grab his twenty two rifle, does grab it. Cavalcante does. The homeowner then starts shooting at him, and that's the shots that we're hearing. That's the shots that uh, were coming out in reports. The that were right near school districts. Obviously, with all this going on, scaring people, and he was shooting at Cavalcante. Unfortunately, I like terrible to say i guess it's not terrible to say anymore but he didn't hit him uh he got away again now they have a, a search area at this point but wait how did cavalcante get the gun it was in the garage so there were two guns in the garage the 80 year old realizes it's cavalcante and grabs the gun and starts shooting and somehow in all that cavalcante gets a second gun yeah, that's what it sounds like from, from police, yeah. Eddie Kadem, Fox 29, you're absolutely correct. Listen to L.E. law enforcement right now. He didn't, uh, I, I believe, uh, recognize that the owner was in there, and I think he was probably looking for a place to hide, ran for that garage, saw the firearm, grabbed that, encountered the homeowner, and fled with the firearm. So, Eddie Kadem, Fox 29, you're right. Calvacante was not shot because this morning there seems to be a lot of confusion. Has he been hit or not? But apparently, yeah. no, he has not been hit. Guys, again, with me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. Uh, with me, uh, founder director of the Cold Case Research Institute, Cheryl McCollum. You can find her at coldcasecrimes.org. And she's host of a hit new series, Zone 7 Podcast. Cheryl Sounds like the guy was trying to find a place to stay. And I don't like the idea of him being out with a sawed-off 22. That is a great concern. But like we talked about yesterday, I firmly believed he was going to do something overtly. He's running out of options. I can tell you that garage light was illuminated. So he knew. He saw what he wanted. He went all the way in and went for that weapon. I don't think he was looking for a place to stay. I'm going to tell you like I did yesterday. He needs food, he needs clothes, he needs a weapon, he needs a vehicle. Okay, can we just analyze what you just said? When he saw the light in the garage, there was no way, unless he's telepathic, a clairvoyant, Cheryl McCollum, 
that he could know that there was a gun, a rifle of some sort, leaned up against against the wall. So why did he go in? With me, an all-star panel, and I'm going to go now to Irv Brandt, Senior Inspector, U.S. Marshal Service, International Investigations, Chief Inspector, DOJ. He's been all over the world to boil it down, looking for fugitives. Author of Solo Shot, Curse of the Blue Stone, and Flying Solo, Top of the World on Amazon. Irv Brandt seems to me like he's looking for a place to hide. I'm curious about the fact that he leaves uh his, his sweatshirt or his shirt behind, maybe it's because he knew he had already been spotted in that sweatshirt, and we all know he was wearing a green hoodie. But I think he went in there for a place to hide out. It's a garage, the light's on. Then he sees a twenty-two sawed off. That's correct, Nancy. It was, uh, I believe it was a target of opportunity. Uh, when he first went in there, he... Like you said, he was probably looking for either a place to hide, a vehicle to steal. Then when he saw the weapon, opportunity right there, went for the weapon, didn't realize the homeowner was in the garage. The homeowner fired at him, so he ran off. This is about the worst case scenario, the type of the weapon that he got. I told you yesterday, eventually he was going to get his hands on a weapon. Yeah, you did say that. Unfortunately, he got a hold of a rifle with a scope. Now, police believe that he is in a wooded area, which is great. He's away from civilians in the area, but the advantage is all his now. It's going to take a while. Uh, Reporters are going to be on the police. Why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? And it's because they have to move so slowly because the advantage is his. He's hiding. They're not. He's going to see him coming. They can't see him. He has a rifle with a scope. There is a very high potential for law enforcement to take casualties. Now, they signed on for that job. They're going to do their jobs, but they got to take every precaution in hunting him down. This isn't going to end well, Nancy. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Eddie Kadem joining us, investigative reporter, Fox 29. Um, Eddie, if you can give me an estimate, how far was this garage where he got the sawed off from his last sighting? Uh, not far. And What do you mean by that? A mile, two miles? mile, two miles would be accurate, yeah. And th- his last sighting was near where the van was found, the van that he had stolen from the dairy farm in Longwood Gardens and drove, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes away from there and to to the area where he was trying to contact his relatives over the weekend, or not relatives, his former work associates going to bring doorbell cameras, talking to them on there. Uh, They did not help him, but from my sources and everything I've been hearing, he's been desperate looking for help. I was also told by sources inside he potentially had a phone they tracked some calls from where that van was dumped on sunday so he either had a phone or still has a phone so he could have potentially been seeing news updates this entire time as well and looking at his phone why do you think he may have had a phone sources inside inside the operation 
told me that. That he had a phone. That there was phone calls made from where that van was dumped, and it was in an area where they don't believe other people would have been. Wow. So that tells me he either had a phone on the inside of the jail where he escaped, or he got one out of the vehicle that he had stolen the refrigerated van from the dairy farm. Either he stole one or somebody's potentially helping him and, and could have potentially got him a phone. So a couple of miles. This tells me, again... When you don't know what's going to happen, you look at what has already happened. He's already stolen one vehicle. I think that may have been not just him going to the, to the garage for some kind of cover or to get access to the house for food. I think he was trying to get a vehicle. I think you guys are right. Guys, what more do we know? Take a listen to our friends at 6ABC. The convicted murderer was first spotted last night within a search perimeter in South Coventry Township. Sources say he was seen in a field by air. And when authorities got there, a pair of shoes that are believed to be Cavalcante's were found. Shortly after, investigators received reports of shots being fired. Action News has confirmed that a homeowner on the 3500 block of Coventry Road in East Nantmill Township shot at someone matching Cavalcante's description. Police don't know if Cavalcante was hit, but Sources say he now has a 22 rifle. Residents in East Nantmeal and South Coventry Townships are asked to lock all external doors and windows, secure your vehicles, remain inside. And more from Crime Online. The reverse 911 warning went out to residents in Chester County and urged people to stay inside their homes. This after the escaped fugitive broke into a house and stole a gun. Police say Daniela Cavalcanti is now armed with a 22 rifle. Law enforcement sources tell Fox 29 that the homeowner fired seven times at the escape killer. It's not known if Cavalcanti was hit. Pennsylvania State Police believe they have Cavalcanti's waterlogged and muddy sneakers. They were found during the search of a field. Police say a pair of boots were stolen from the porch of the home. Cavalcanti's green hoodie was also recovered. An updated description issued by Pennsylvania State Police describes Cavalcanti as shirtless, wearing blue pants, carrying a 22 cutoff rifle with a 10-round magazine and a scope. Wow. With a mag and a scope, you were right, Irv Brandt. Joining us right now, you know him well. He emerged in the forefront of the news during the search for Brian Laundrie, who, before killing himself, had murdered girlfriend Gabby Petito. May he rot in hell. Joining me is so-called Turtle Man, given name Chris Adams. He is a survival expert. On Facebook, you can find him at Wiregrass Ecological and Cultural Project on TikTok at Georgia Turtle Man. Chris Adams, thank you for being with us. You are especially critical today because of your survival knowledge. This is a guy that survived the Brazilian jungles. He lived there with no means. He didn't, didn't carry any food in with him, no water in with him, but he lived. He survived long enough to make an escape to Puerto Rico, where he, again, had nothing and lived in the woods in Puerto Rico, such as they are, and um, foraged like we see him doing now until he could make it to the U.S. How is this guy going to survive? We know he wants a car, Chris Adams. We know that, but he doesn't have a car. So he's going to pull an Eric Rudolph the Olympic bomber who lived for years in the wild along the Appalachian Trail. How is he going to do it? Well, let's first start off by saying this guy is not Superman. Where he was at in Brazil and Puerto Rico and able to forage in places, that was elements that he knew in the tropical world. 
you've thrown them into an environment that's got difficult terrain now. It's dipping down into the 50s at night, warm during the day. Police have said that he's probably moving during the nighttime hours. If he is, he's working up a sweat. He's working up his body heat. It doesn't take much for your body's temperature to drop and hypothermia set in. He's running not like a scared animal. Scared animals don't take chances. He's an opportunist, which is how he found the gun, which is why he's looking for places to sleep in people's carports. You know, he's not thinking about it. He's doing this haphazardly. So I I don't think he's surviving near as well as what people might think he is. But, you know, Chris Adams, from the last home that he entered, and we learned this from looking at a, a ring doorbell cam, he went in, he got food, fruit, and and things to drink. He's getting food and sustenance somewhere. So let me go back to your expertise. How are you comparing the jungle there in Brazil where he lived for a period of time before making his way to Puerto Rico, the forestation in Puerto Rico, to up in the Pennsylvania area, why are you saying that this is more challenging for him? I mean, if somebody landed me in the jungle in Brazil, I'd have a lot harder time surviving than I would in the U.S. where I've camped extensively. So explain to me your differentiation. Well, it's like I told you when we went out to Okefenokee that instance. If you were to throw me in the middle of a swamp, that is my home and that's what I know and I can survive there. But vice versa, if you took me and threw me in the middle of New York City, I know I wouldn't make it. So this guy, he comes from a place, he's very familiar with the woodlands, the forested areas of Brazil, that tropical world. He's in a totally new environment here. It's hilly, it's got creeks, it gets cooler at night. You're not dealing with the same animals, you're not dealing with the same plants. And yes, he may be capable of surviving just as good as the next self-proclaimed wilderness survival expert, but clearly he is utilizing human advantages, resources like vehicles and foodstuffs. He's not out there foraging in the woods up there in Pennsylvania. I'm thinking about something you said, and I think you're right. Uh, Jackie's telling me the temps are down to 58. Are you sure it's just 58? Okay. Dr. Michelle Dupree joining us, uh, forensic pathologist, medical examiner, also former detective, author of Money, Mischief, and Murder, the Murdoch saga, the rest of the story. And you will recall Dr. Dupree on the forefront during the Alex Murdoch debacle. Uh, you can find her at dmichelledupreemd.com. Dr. Dupree, explain to me what the turtle man, Chris Adams, was just saying about hypothermia. Because he was saying something about the body sweat, the body temperature, but 58, is that low enough to get hypothermia? Well, Nancy, yes, it can be. And it all depends on the circumstances. And he is out there. He is already, you know, high energy. He's scared. Um, this, his substance in his body, like cortisol with the fight or flight, um, is going to kick in. So, yes, absolutely. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I know he's scared. I know he's on the run. And I don't know what cortisol has to do with hypothermia. So you're going to have to interpret for us non-medical doctors. What what does any of that have to do with hypothermia? Well, your body is going to accelerate um, and um, become more active internally as well as what he's doing externally. And so that's going to cause temperature changes in the body. Um, and depending again on the circumstances, which would be the temperature here, 
um, that's going to affect that. Okay, got it. Dr. Dupree, how long can you go without water? How long can you go without food? A body can only go about three days without water. It can go much longer than that without food, but not water. And Chris Adams, so-called turtle man, uh, survival expert, what would happen if you drank out of a river or a creek? where he is in Pennsylvania. You can get all types of bacteria out of that. It can cause severe diarrhea and other physical ailments. And in many cases where you're dealing with more urban areas, you're getting runoff uh, that may come from sewage systems or just chemical runoff from nearby fields. There's a lot of farmland up there. Well, I can't wait for the chemicals to kill him, turtle man. I mean, that's a long range thing. I'm talking about right now. He needs, how long did you say, Dr. Dupree, how long can he go without water? Two days? About three days. Three days. So, Chris Adams, the chemicals from Philly aren't going to kill him in the next three days. So, he can drink from streams and rivers. That he can, but it's those same streams and rivers that runoff inevitably gets into. There's no getting away from it unless you're up on top of a mountain drinking from a pristine spring. Okay, got you. I understand. Matthew Mangino is a former felony prosecutor, the district attorney in Pennsylvania, author of The Executioner's Toll, The Crimes, Arrests, Trials, Appeals, Last Meals, Final Words, and Executions of 46 Persons in the U.S. I actually had to take a breath during that title. Matthew Mangino what kind of terrain is this? And Eddie Kadem, jump in, man. This is not tea at Windsor Castle. How many times do I have to tell you people that? Jump in. What's the terrain? I've got Jackie over here waving an almanac at me, saying it's going to go down to 53, if that changes your opinion, Dr. Dupree. Jump in, Mangino. Well, uh, Nancy, I mean, this, is, this isn't Philadelphia. This is, this is suburban Philadelphia. This is Chester County. There's a lot of rural areas. In Chester County, there's a lot of fresh water streams. Um, you know, this is a guy. Uh, you know, we have to say he's a he's a he's a tough dude. I mean, he was in uh, Brazil, uh, in in you know out in the um, sticks. You know, surviving. You know, he made his way uh, to Puerto Rico. He, he made his way to the United States. He's been on the run for 13 days. So this guy is is no amateur, so to speak. I mean, he knows how to live off the land. He knows how to get around. Uh, and now that he's armed and, and very desperate, uh, you know, I think this is an extremely dangerous situation for the people in that Chester County area and for the law enforcement who's trying to track him down. Now, Eddie Kadem, according to Matthew Mangino, the lawyer who spends a lot of his time in court, seems to believe that there are a lot of freshwater streams where Calvacante's on the run. Is that true? Nancy, this area, I mean, me and my photographer were almost sadly joking as we've been driving around for the last almost two weeks now that this is almost a perfect place for somebody like this guy to hide out. There is communities surrounded by woods where there's farms, there's apple trees, there's berries, there's creeks, there's streams, there's areas where you can be in a heavily wooded area where you can only see trees and then there's just one house. So, and when he first went missing, one of the big issues was it was Labor Day weekend. So a lot of people weren't home. So he was going into people's houses potentially when they weren't home and they might not have been home. They might have been down the shore for a week or for a month. And then he could have gone into their house, got some stuff. He did go into several houses, get some stuff. So when he went into those houses, 
law enforcement hasn't been saying exactly what he was getting when he went to those houses. So he could have potentially raided a pantry when he was in a house, got food, got a bunch of water bottles. There's the potential for that. Yeah, where did he get that backpack? I've seen video of him with a backpack on. And that that was as early as one or two days after he got out. So he got a backpack quickly. That was one of the first, I think, the first sightings of him that came from one of the uh, ring cameras. He had the backpack. So he's had that from the beginning. So that's, that, you. you have to take that from somewhere. I'm hearing Dr. Bethany Marshall jumping in. Uh, Dr. Bethany is renowned psychoanalyst joining us out of Beverly Hills at drbethanymarshall.com. Hey, Dr. Bethany, hold it. Hold your thought. You do that a lot better yes. than okay. I do. And I want to circle back uh, to Chris Adams joining us, survival expert. What do you make of what you've just heard about the terrain, the fruit trees, the fresh water? Like I said, the, the dude is utilizing an urban environment. This guy's not drinking out of a creek or a stream or pond he's going in somebody's backyard and drinking from a water hose he's filling up a water bottle he yeah. picked up yep. somewhere in a ditch he's utilizing urban environments for his survival he may be hiding up on a hill but he's coming and going in the night hold on you're telling me something i've never thought of chris adams utilizing the urban environment yet in a heavily wooded area explain that thinking it reminds me of the bears that you catch on video going to somebody's kitchen and they get food and then they leave what what do you mean utilizing an urban environment humans are no different than wildlife in many cases when they're pressured by authorities being chased by law enforcement they're going to go for what's easy they're not going to you know chew out an existence in some wild place they may utilize it for their concealment but they're going to go find things of ease. They're going to hunt those canned foods in somebody's pantry. They're going to go in somebody's garage and take a backpack or a hammer or whatever tool they need. And in this case, it was a, a 22 rifle with a scope. Cheryl, why did he get rid of his shoes? Because he stole boots. He has brand new, solid footwear now to continue what he's doing. Listen, we are day 13. Why has he stayed in the area? Even when he stole a van, he stayed there. He stayed there. Well, wait, we think he was running out of gas in that dairy van, that refrigerated van. And please, get real, like that's not a moving target, a refrigerated dairy van. But actually, he did manage to break the perimeter, even driving, driving a refrigerated dairy van. He still got away. So I've got some some info okay. on that too there was is this eddie yeah this is eddie yep. go ahead on sunday talking to my sources there was a three-hour gap which was really crucial in all this from where they believe the van was left to where the van was found so three hours is a long time for somebody when it's 20 miles away from where you thought he was prior to uh now set up a new search perimeter so that really put kind of a wedge in all of the plans, I feel like, for law enforcement. So that was Sunday, but now fast forward to last night and now today with these positive sightings. What I was hearing from the sources, too, was that they thought he was gone on Sunday night. Sunday night before my live shot, I'm hearing if he got if in that three-hour window, now it's been 13 hours and we haven't had a positive sighting, this guy could be in Florida by, by now. I'm glad that's not the case. That's what I thought it was, but I'm glad that is not the case, obviously. Could you one more time explain to us the three-hour gap and why you find that significant, Eddie? Yeah, no problem. Um, so 
they the way they knew that he had the van was from the the ring camera footage they found out that he had a van so now he's mobile right ring camera footage from where he went to some former associate work associates i guess from a long time ago and when he went there and was pleading with them to help him and they didn't help him that's when they realized he had the van so from there they knew that they, they were they had a bolo out for the van right now the search is on for the van they get the van they hopefully get him problem is they find the van at 7 a.m. This is hours after he was in Phoenixville going to these people's houses. Once they find the van, it's been three hours from when they believed it was dumped. So he's on foot or there was some people saying potentially he got picked up. But I don't believe that's the case now because he stayed in the area unless by all indications he isn't a very dumb criminal. So basically he had three hours to do whatever he wanted and he had right. a vehicle. Okay. Also, Jackie, the note uh, regarding his shoes. He, his shoes got wet and muddy. And if you listen from the other report, a helicopter spotted him in the field. He had taken his shoes off. The helicopter spotted him and he took off. So he took off barefoot? He would have had to. He didn't have shoes at that point. Why would he have done that, Chris Adams? Well, I'm going to run off of what Eddie said. He's a dumb criminal but he's a basic survivalist. At least he has the basic skill set to survive, but what moron runs off without shoes and ain't going to drop temperature at night? Well, wait a minute. What about this? They caught him in an aerial helicopter, and he has taken his shoes off. What could he do but run? Okay, joining me right now is renowned psychoanalyst Dr. Bethany Marshall. With all of this knowledge, Dr. Bethany, what do you think? Well, I think we have to remember that, that the mode of homicide, which is that he stabbed his girlfriend, was it 37 times in front of her children? Eight, 38 times. 38 times. So this tells me that he has enormous amounts of energy and he's very impulsive. So everyone's saying dumb criminal. Mm -hmm. I'm saying impulsive criminal. I mean, he went through an open garage door. I don't think he's dumb. I just want to tell you, I don't think this guy is dumb. He's managed to get away from Brazil, live in the jungles, come to Puerto Rico, survive there. Yeah, and I said, I think he's not a dumb criminal. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, right. I thought that's what you said. But this guy yeah. is anything but dumb. Go, go, go ahead. But so rage combined with impulsivity raises a person's potential for homicide or suicide. That's one of the things we know in my field. So because they're not thinking very clearly. So he ran into a garage with an open door. And I'm very curious about that. Was the, When the garage door was open, was the light on or off? Eddie, I think it was on, wasn't it? Somebody was saying earlier that it was on, yeah. Go ahead. Why run through an open garage door with the light on? I mean, obviously he can see what's inside, but that's very impulsive to me. He could have hit out. He could have waited till the guy. Well, he said, we, we know he did not think anyone was in the garage. He was surprised when the homeowner popped out and had a weapon, and he took off when the homeowner started firing at him. Right. I think he's stalking neighborhoods to find a way in, and he sees the garage door open. I, I will say that impulse leads to a lack of caution when it comes to things. He is yep. not at all being cautious in this case. And that raises and it, his lethality for the neighborhoods he's in, you know, because he's exactly. going to smash a window. He's going to grab something from somebody. This guy is not thinking very far into the future. He does not have cause and effect thinking. He is just in the moment. And that's what what's makes him so scary. Um, and so if I were people in this neighborhood, I'd be pretty frightened and wanting to batten down the hatches.
Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Okay, question regarding the sawed off. Sawing off the barrel reduces velocity, but it makes the sawed off much easier to handle and to conceal. And I believe he still has a backpack. A 22 sawed off will absolutely fit in that backpack. Eddie Kadem, is he still carrying the backpack? That is a good question. I am not sure. In the last sightings, he had he didn't have it on him in the hoodie. What's his last uh, description, Eddie Kadem? Is it is he wearing a shirt? Has he changed pants? No shirt, pants. Um, and obviously he's, he's clean shaven now when he, when he had broken out, he had a beard and things like that. But those images are, are all over the place. We've, we've got them on Fox 29. They're, they're everywhere, but these images are from Sunday. So two days ago now, uh, but that green hoodie, don't be looking for that anymore. And, Cause that, that was dumped at the, at the bottom of the, uh, of the driveway. So, and, and something that we haven't touched on yet, he's, this is an important fact, though, and it's been something they've been mentioning a lot. He is a very small man. He's five foot, 120 pounds. So he'll he'll stick out physically, if that makes sense. Interesting. He knows to discard clothing that we have already identified. Guys, take a listen to our cut 44. This is Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens. I'd like to address a message to anyone who may have already offered assistance or is contemplating assisting Cavalcante in any way. We will prosecute you fully for those actions. Alternatively, I would suggest that you are in a position to help facilitate the safe capture of Cavalcante. If you choose to assist us, you could be eligible for some or all of the reward that has been offered for Cavalcante's capture. As a matter of fact, I'm announcing today that Chester County has increased the amount of reward they are offering by another $5,000. That brings the total reward offered up to $25,000 for information that leads to the capture of Cavalcante. Do we believe that people are actually helping him? First comes to mind the sister, the sister that was detained by ICE. Listen. Uh, the sister is an overstay, and uh, she chose not to, uh, not to assist. And, and because of being in an overstay status, she has uh, been entered into a deportation proceeding and is being detained at this time. She has not assisted. I'm cautioning people preemptively. And yes, we are monitoring, um, we are, we are monitoring for any possible help in a variety of ways. And so what I would tell you is that if we detect assistance, that will be prosecuted. Does that mean they have his cell phone number? That would not be hard to obtain if he has called people for help. But Cheryl McCollum, are we getting the truth? Did she help and they're covering the fact up or did she not help? Nancy, there's only one reason he has stayed in that area, either because somebody was helping him or fixing to try to get some things together to help him. He believes that or he would be ghost from that area. Mm. He would have taken that van and driven 50 miles, stolen another car, driven 100 miles, stolen another car. Irv Brandt knows what I'm talking about. By him staying in that perimeter, he either believes somebody's going to give him money, new IDs, or some type of help. I firmly believe, like I said yesterday, when she was picked up, 
he had no choice but to now do something overt, get a weapon, get a hostage to get a vehicle. That's what you're going to see next if they don't find him. Irv Brandt, predict. Cheryl Mack's right. Um, he's living in the moment. He's His plans are changing by the second. And now he's faced with very limited options. Yeah. The options being hiding in the woods to wait for the hunt dogs to sniff them out, which eventually they will, and fight it out with the police, or he's going to, which sadly, I, I fear this is going to happen. It's going to be a home invasion. It's going to be a hostage situation. It's going to be a barricaded gunman. And we all know how that's going to end. Matthew Mangino, I predict he's going to get a, a, a car, and it may be by entering someone's home in order to get the keys, unless he knows how to hotwire it. But I think that's his next move based on what we've already seen. And I, I think, too, uh, with as far as help and things like that, the, the investigators have been keeping it very close to the vest, whether or not people have been helping him or not. They haven't been saying they... Every time the question is asked, the response is, we're not revealing that part of the investigation. Uh, and I, I think the, the speaker before me saying that the reason he did stick around is because he thinks he can get help is, is probably spot on, honestly. Um, and I don't think he's getting it. That's what law enforcement has been saying is he's been looking for help. He's been going to these former coworkers who they say barely knew him or were not even that friendly with him and going to their house expecting them to help him and they're saying no and they're reaching out to police and so i think he's trying to build a network but honestly what does this guy have to offer you other than getting you arrested or well if you're looking down the wrong end of a 22 sawed off i think he can offer you life or death so that's something to keep in mind dr bethany i think he had less less so that he has a person there and more that he has a supply of something like he's found a window he can get into a home he can get access to remember this is the survival instinct is stronger than any other instinct we have this the instinct to live the instinct to get away from danger the instinct towards self-preservation and that drove the desperation to get to the old colleague who he imagined would help him but also i think he probably has a source somewhere where, where it's easy it's like the low-hanging fruit in terms of getting supplies but that's going to be short-lived because somebody's going to be coming back from a vacation or he's going to be discovered and then he'll be on the on the run again dodger dupree well yes I, I agree with what others have said this is going to end in a bad situation he is likely going to go into a, a home invasion and because he has no choice he has nothing to lose at this point so it's just not going to turn out well and to you, Chris Adams. I have to agree, and I, I'm standing firm in my opinion that we're giving this man too much credit as being intelligent. He is acting out of nothing more than desperation. He is staying in this area because he's familiar with the opportunity there. He's not going to go elsewhere. And just throwing caution to the wind, he's about to start slipping up more and more. And I do believe that, I mean, we're probably closer to apprehending the guy than we were two days ago. I only hope it happens without more deaths. Eddie Kadem joining us, investigative reporter, Fox 29. If he gets a vehicle, which is what I think his next move is going to be, I think that's why he went into a car garage to get a car. Where would he head? 
He seems to be going north. That is a, a good question. He has uh, obviously he had some family here. He has ties here. That might be potentially why he hasn't left the area. And when I say here, I mean the Phoenixville area, which is uh, half an hour, 45 minutes away from Philadelphia, north of Philadelphia. So he's been floating around that area. And the fact that he hasn't left is concerning, um, but also, I guess, encouraging, I want to say, because it, it, it looks like he could have. You know, it looks like he could. When he had that van, he had the potential to even get out of Pennsylvania, but he didn't. So at least they, they know a general area. They said two miles and three miles north or east and three miles east and west, two miles north and south is where they think he is right now. If you have information, call U.S. Marshals toll free 877-926-8332. Repeat, 877-926-8332. There is a $25,000 reward. Goodbye, friend.